This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Swing and a looper in the left center field. This is going to get down for a base hit. Here comes Phillips, he will score the tying run. In the third goes Rosarena. It's an 8-8 eight eight game, and the Rays have the winning run 90 feet away. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. First pitch to him, line back up the middle, but there is Franco to the left of the bag. He turns and throws him out, and the Rays have won it in Atlanta. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our latest show. Today, you'll get to know Shane Boz and his return from an early season elbow injury. Doug Wechter of Valley Sports Sun will discuss an interesting week for the Rays. Prospect Alika Williams will chat about his newfound power this year. We'll catch up with Willie Adamas about his return to Tropicana Field, and we'll introduce you to Carla Diaz of Baseball Operations. We continue on This Week in Race Baseball, and our featured guest this week is Shane Boss. Shane, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Neil. It's a pleasure to be on. Always great chatting with you. First of all, what has it been like and what has it meant to you to be back pitching regularly again after, obviously, the injury to start the year? Uh, it's meant a lot. I mean, obviously, you have a lot of time to think about think about it, just doing rehab and sitting and watching the games and kind of envisioning being back so it's been uh it's been really good to get back on the field that was really the first time you had an extended absence how challenging was it and who was most helpful to you both in and outside of the race clubhouse yeah it was it was definitely tough to deal with at first just the surgery and all that but through the clubhouse I'd say like glass now and McClanahan and all the guys that I was rehabbing with were always super positive and encouraging, so it's it's a good environment for that. And uh, off the field, definitely just my family, like coming to visit me or just calling me and checking on me, so stuff like that definitely helped a lot. You're a very bright individual. What did you learn about yourself during that period? Because you, you seem like you're able to kind of self-evaluate. I think it was big just to kind of have a little time away and just, kind of reset and have a little bit of time to kind of think and you know go have some free time here and there just when the team's on the road and all that so I think I uh, spent a little more time outside than I normally would get to so that was great. Did you learn a little bit too while watching games because sometimes when guys have that period they're like oh I didn't you know you're so close to the forest to see the trees there's things you're like this can help me. Yeah, it's definitely a new perspective just, like, watching the games. And, I mean, just watching our starting pitching, like, really thrive and even our bullpen thrive and, like, just trying to figure out how we have that success and, like, obviously watching, like, McClanahan and an unbelievable veteran and Corey Kluber and watching Rasmussen and Springs kind of grow into their own was uh, definitely – I mean, I can learn something from, like, all four of those guys. Let's start with Shane because I don't think it's a coincidence that the two of you are 
locker mates, that right. they put your lockers together. You've known each other for a couple of years now. I think, what, starting with the alternate side? Or, oh, Princeton. Okay, so go back to where that relationship began. And why, are the, why are the two of you pretty tight? I think just it started probably just with having the same name, and then it's kind of just grown into being kind of the young guns coming through the organization and uh, just that we get along well and, you know, we can both kind of – challenge each other and kind of give each other a pat on the back when we need it so it's like a really good uh almost like we we push each other to be better and obviously he doesn't need much pushing at this point but uh I think it just stems from like our competitive natures so how does he challenge you and how have how do you think you can grow because of the influence he has I think just watching him motivates me you know like he's He's so fun to watch, and he's so in control of the game when he's on the mound that I think it's just like, okay, like I want to do, I want to do that, and I think it helps just kind of a lead by example kind of thing from him. And how about Corey? Because you've got a, you had like the older guy you were around at the Olympics with David Robertson on Team USA, so you, it's not like that's foreign to you. Yeah, D Rob was was awesome last year, and it was a it was a pleasure just to to be in the same dugout as him. But uh, Kluber's been he's been pretty uh, cool to watch, just like growing up high school and stuff, and even through the minor leagues, one of my favorite pitchers. So, I mean, just to see him do it like with my own eyes is is it's really cool. You know, to get back to Shane, like his growth has been phenomenal. I don't think people realize it's only his second full year and he's still barely over 200 innings. Do you look at that and go, well, if he can do it, I can do it? Or, or do you have to almost temper the enthusiasm when you see someone take that big a jump that quick? Yeah. I mean, I think people just see him the way he carries himself and the way he throws and it looks like he's a veteran you know what I mean like he he's always in control of the game and just the way he carries himself is like he's been doing it a really long time and I think uh it's not much of like a oh I can do that because I think everybody's kind of got their own path and journey so it's kind of just you know an internal battle but it's definitely a good example to set. It is, for sure. And look, you have great parents that are a good example for you, too. What influence have, have each of them had on you, and how vital are they in terms of your growth and, and your maturity? Yeah, they're unbelievable parents. I mean, I really just couldn't have gotten luckier having both of them raising me. And, I mean, I think my dad is a, a big work ethic, kind of preaches how to live off the field too and he's always talking about you know you got to honor God first and your family second and then everything else will kind of take care of itself and I think when I'm doing that it really makes everything else easy for me or easier for me just to go about it like if you have a bad game here or there and then you can kind of just move past it a little better and then for my mom I think it's more of like a you know you got to be yourself kind of thing like be comfortable in your own skin and she definitely has a little uh a little switch that can turn and kind of go you know obviously not a temper but she can kind of flip the switch and kind of have a really insane amount of focus for a long time and I think I I get a lot from her too.
Have you picked up the musical? Uh, obviously, she's very talented, and you would kind of pick that up a little bit as you kind of work your way through the minors. Do you do that even as a hobby to kind of break from the monotony or the, the season to kind of give yourself something to do in, in times? Absolutely. And, I mean, she's always, like, sending me songs that she's working on and uh, asking what I think about them. So, obviously, I don't have the same experience that she has like she she can play any instrument she wants and literally can learn any instrument and it seems like a matter of days but uh I think it's absolutely rubbed off rubbed off on me and uh it's a good escape for me just to kind of submerse myself into some type of music whether it's just trying to find new stuff to listen to or uh trying to work on something with her but she pushes me to learn a lot what are you listening to now and what is still your your go-to in terms of the kind of music whether it's to get ready for a game or just to tune out i think me and my mom both listen to a lot of everything as far as genres i've always been kind of a classic rock kind of thing before games or just if i'm really trying to like focus on something but uh I'd say I'm getting a little bit into, I like Tame Impala, obviously that's a very mainstream answer, and uh, I know he's really popular already, but kind of getting into his stuff a little bit, but I'm also getting into some different, like, older stuff, big into, like, Grateful Dead, I like Grateful Dead, I like, uh, I really like Def Leppard and Guns N' Roses and stuff like that, so I'm kind of taking a deeper dive into, like, the older Led Zeppelin albums and uh, Leonard Skinner and stuff like that. So I'm I'm always on the hunt for just a song that nobody knows about. Because when you say classic rock, it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Some may even think like the Def Leppards of the world is in that category versus some we may immediately go to Led Zeppelin is yeah. true classic rock. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's subjective, obviously, to everyone. And even a lot of those... Uh, bands and artists have like you know maybe this album sounds a lot more classic rock and this one's a lot more acoustic so I kind of I kind of tend to put them in a box a little bit but I'm also on Soundgarden right now that's just a little heavier but I, I do like it I like it a lot um, I want to also get your opinion on something because last week the Rays faced the Pirates it's the first time it's happened since you've been here and you did not get to face them were you okay with that were you kind of like well we're going to face them every year after this one so i'm going to get it over at some point what was your take on that i think it's always kind of um what people tend to bring up for sure as far as like you know getting traded from a team i think i just am trying to focus so much on my next outing that it's kind of like at this point i'll i'll play them eventually and It'll be fine, and uh, yeah, it's it's definitely not any like sweat off my back, but uh, it's it. I'm sure it'd be cool, and I know that they have a really good group over there, and I definitely have some guys that I still keep in touch with. So that's uh, it's really cool to see them. Who fits? Because obviously the roster is turned over, and they're very very young right now. Yeah, like Calvin Mitchell was a guy that got drafted with me, so kept up with him for sure. Um, I got to go to Instructs with like O'Neal Cruz and was around Mitch Keller a little bit and uh, 
Let's see. They they probably have a few more guys, but those would I'd say. Oh, Kanan Smith, who's a Texas guy, been close with him a little bit. But uh, yeah, they they definitely have some some really good guys over there. You said you focus on you and and the next start. What do you want to? How good do you want to be? How high do you set the bar for yourself? Because obviously, it all begins with you. I think it's really really hard to to kind of put a like a number on that or a stat you know what I mean so it's I think it's really hard to to hit those goals just because there's so there's so many variables and all that but I mean I'm kind of trying to get to where I can be the best version of me that I can every five days so I'm kind of trying to still work through what I want my routine to be and how I can feel the best during the game so I mean I think I'd love to just be a starter for this team and be able to just have a full, healthy year and just really do my job and eat innings and do what they ask and honestly just be the best teammate that I can. Because I remember a conversation I had with Alex Cobb when he was probably in similar shoes to you, and I said, what do you want to be in five years? And he said, I want to be like James Shields. I want to be depended on to make every single start. And I, he said, people don't realize how hard that is. And I'm guessing when you watch a Kluber, when you watch a McClanahan, the way they're going, you realize how hard it is. I think you do. You kind of, you kind of take it in stride as far as all the learning that goes with it, because you know you can't really speed that up or anything. But I mean, just to be an anchor of a, a team in any way, especially as a starting pitcher, that they can kind of give you the ball and roll out there and trust you to give them a quality start I think is is big and it's just kind of a reputation that you have to build over time so I I would love to get to that point and then obviously part of that is the physical but the other part is the mental performance have you how much has Justin and, and the group with this organization helped you because I know you value the importance of that a lot I think we have such a good clubhouse that they make everyone feel comfortable no matter what their role is or no matter how long they've been here so I think that helps a ton with the mental side of just, okay, I'm supposed to be here and I'm good enough to be here. And the other, the physical side is, is kind of different for everybody. You know, I think everybody has a different body and everyone recovers different and everybody's sore differently, you know, stuff like that. I think it's, it's kind of up to you. That's probably the hardest part is the physical side of it. Just being able to stay on the field and, like you said, be dependent on. Well, here's to that happening. Obviously, you're you're back and on the, the right path toward that. We appreciate some time on This Week in Race Baseball. No problem. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for having me. That's Shane Boz, and we'll continue with This Week in Race Baseball right after this. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solans, now joined by one Doug Wechter of Bally Sports Sun. Doug, we just had Shane Boz on the show, but... I'd kind of like to start with the other Shane McClanahan, and boy, he just continues to impress with every step of the way, huh? Oh, my gosh. I mean, Neil, you're talking about probably the best left-hander in the game right now. 
and possibly one of the best pitchers in the game. I mean, Shane McClanahan, the way he works, he goes about his business, and throws strikes. I mean, both you and I and, and most of the people listening in now, we've all seen pitchers with really, really good stuff not be elite because they can't throw strikes. They can't command pitches. And with what we've seen from Shane McClanahan, his strength is almost his command. I mean, the ability to go out there with four above-average pitches, way above-average pitches, and be able to locate all of them behind an account at any point in time, uh, throw any of them for a strike, and a quality strike at that. Uh, he, he is truly an elite-level pitcher right now. We might be looking at the Cy Young Award winner if he keeps us up. Certainly would love for that to continue. You know, you mentioned command, but for me, the thing that stands out the most is his mindset and his poise. Nothing changes no matter the circumstance. Give our fans an idea how difficult that is for a pitcher who's still as young as he is in his big league career. Well, it's incredible, right? I mean, look, this guy doesn't even have a full year of service time in the major leagues, and he's going out there and he's pitching like one of, if not the best pitcher in the game. And, yeah, you're right, Neil. I mean, without the mindset that he takes on the mound, he couldn't be an ace. He was one of those guys last year that – he had the uh, – you don't want to call it arrogance. You want to call it confidence, right? You want to call it that it factor that pitchers at the top of the rotation have to carry. Uh, it's like a quarterback in the NFL. You know, they could have all the skill sets that you want, but if they're not good under pressure, if they're not the kind of guy who wants the ball in, in critical times and critical parts of the game, well, then he can't be the one to lead your, your NFL team or at this point, you know, your major league staff. But – Look, Shane McClanahan has it. He has the it factor. He has the confidence and he has the intelligence to go out there and and continue to dominate. And even though he doesn't have a ton of experience, this is a very uh, well-educated person when you're talking about baseball IQ. Uh, He goes out there. He understands what hitters want to do to him. He understands how to set hitters up. And, you know, with all that being said, he has the stuff to back it up. So, Uh, it's kind of the perfect storm when you're talking about a guy who's put together to be a prospect, you know, at the top of your rotation. Uh, He has it all. And, and look, I mean, you know, there's no reason to think it's going to be sidetracked at all here coming up because, you know, again, the confidence is there, the baseball IQ is there and the stuff is there. So how can he also impact the guy who's going today? He's got the locker right next to Shane Boz, home and road. They're good friends. How can he help accelerate Shane Boz's growth? Well, I think that's an awesome question because a lot of people don't realize that even though you're a rookie or just, you know, maybe a year in the league, you can be a veteran presence. And it's about the way you carry yourself. It's about the way you go out there every five days and take care of your business. And that's what Shane McClanahan's doing, right? Uh, Shane Boz is basically watching a guy go out there and become an elite pitcher, and he's given him a blueprint on how to do it. You know, you look at Boz's stuff. Boz has four above-average, high, high-quality pitches, okay? He has elite command when he has the right mindset. Now, if he goes out there and he's very comfortable, he can perform similar to what we're seeing out of Shane Boz. I mean, that's how high – I'm sorry, Shane McClanahan. That's how high Shane Boz's ceiling is. But he doesn't have the same time in in the big leagues. He doesn't have that same comfort level yet. But, you know, watching McClanahan do it right before him and watching the way he does it, He's basically giving Shane Boz a blueprint on how to go out there and be a top-tier pitcher in the game. And Boz is one of those guys who he's never really failed. And, you know, when he goes out there, he expects to win every time out. 
And that's kind of a same – he's cut out of the same mold that McClanahan was, and there's no reason to think that. You can't have one of the best one-two punches in the game once Shane Boz gets to that level. Which, if you get to the postseason, would be a scary combination for opposing teams. You mentioned Shane McClanahan and him being a guy who can lead by example. Wander Franco comes back this week. It looks like he's slowly starting to look like the guy the Rays had in April and last year. If he can be that, what impact does he have on this group? Oh, it's huge. I mean, look, I I think anybody realistically looking at Wander taking having to take 26 days off of games, you know, the expectation of him having his timing back day one is that's a high expectation. Uh, it's just really a hard ask for anybody, especially a major leaguer, to go and miss that much time and roll right into you know the top of the order and continue to hit. So. You know, we expected a little bit of time before he's going to be locked in. But as you said, Neil, I mean, he's starting to get closer and closer to the Wander Franco that we really need, right? And I think it's a huge factor. I mean, the easiest way to explain it is, look, he's going to improve just by his numbers going into this lineup. Being inserted, you know, with the ability to go righty or lefty and being that matchup nightmare at the top of your order, that's huge alone, okay? But then you start thinking about the way it impacts the hitters around him. You know, Randy Arozarena doesn't have all that pressure of having to be the main, you know, focus in the lineup. You got guys who are bumped down a little bit who now, instead of, you know, seeing a lot of off pitches with no one to protect him, maybe now they go after, you know, some of these other guys in the lineup with a few more fastballs because they're worried more about Wanda Franco. And so it affects everybody in the order as well, the way they're being pitched to. And not to mention, when this guy gets on base, I mean, his speed can take over. Right, So he impacts the game at every single level, and we didn't even talk about defensively. I mean, when he goes out there defensively, you know, he's the stability at shortstop. Now you can move guys around that shortstop position without having to worry about who you're going to anchor down you know, in the middle of the infield. And it just gives Kevin Cash a lot more freedom to move other guys around him. So he impacts the game all around uh, in a better way for Tampa Bay. You talk about guys who've been moving around. Doesn't seem to matter where the Rays put this guy. Isak Paredes has been really good. What has impressed you most about Paredes in this run? Uh, well, let's just say, how about the 13 home runs? I mean, <laughs> that right there alone is going to be pretty impressive to anybody. I mean, now I'm starting to look at box scores and watching games, and if he doesn't hit one out of the park, I'm wondering what went wrong. Um, this guy, look, you know, Obviously, the Rays liked him a lot. They wanted to go out there. They gave up a good piece to the Rays lineup at Austin Meadows for him. And, you know, they put a little faith in what he could do. They liked the hard contact rate, the ability to drive the ball to the opposite field late in the count when he's got two strikes, both of what we've seen on display here lately. Um, but really, what I've seen and what I really like is the adjustment of the swing plane to get a little bit more elevation and create more power. Right, And what I mean by that is not just the home runs. I get it. The home runs are super impressive, and that's the first thing that's going to jump out at you. But how about the doubles? How about the extra base hits that he's getting? Because he's lifting the ball just slightly more than he was before. His launch angle on average right now is 15 degrees, and that's slightly above average on Major League. Right, Major League launch angle average is 12 degrees. So it's very clear what he's trying to do here lately. He is trying to get the ball in the air, and then you quantify that with the hard contact rate and the ability to go the other way late in the count, I mean, this is a guy who is really starting to take over offensively, and now you're seeing him get rewarded with being put in the middle of the lineup. And, uh, look, I love the approach right now from Isak Paredes and what he's doing. It's, 
It's impressive all around, buddy. That's I guess that's my answer for you. Got about 30 seconds. Put your pitching hat on because teams are going to adjust. How would you attack Isak Paredes? Oh, boy. I mean, look, I think I'd go off speed and I'd stay away from him. You know, his strength right now is poolside when he's talking about home runs. But, you know, you don't want to throw to his strength. You want to try to get him fishing on the outer half. But that being said, you know, he has the ability to utilize all fields. So uh, it's tough. It's a tough ask for anybody to go out there and pitch to him. I think if I was on the mound, Neil, I'd go ahead and walk him and go to the next guy. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, really good stuff. We appreciate some time on this week in race baseball. We'll see you soon. You're the best, buddy. Talk to you soon. That is Doug Wechter of Valley Sports Sun. Let's turn our attention now to the minor league side for the Rays. And joining me right now, middle infield prospect Alika Williams, who is known first for his glove, but this year he's also improved a lot at the plate, especially in the power area. Alika, thanks very much for a few minutes. Thanks, Neil, for having me on. I really I, appreciate your time. You got it. I know we spoke during uh, the the off season, and at the time you were making an effort to continue to improve offensively and put on some weight. It appears it's paid off. What, what's your take on, on how it's helped? Yeah, so just piggybacking off of kind of some of the things we talked about last time I was on, uh, the, the, no, the, the no negative movement I worked with Brady North, and then uh, really just dialing that timing in, dialing that kind of like step size in, and then uh, Paul Roselle, the hitting coach here in Bowling Green, along with Kyle Wilson, our hitting coordinator, we've been fooling around with hand positioning too, which I think has helped a lot with just being more direct to the ball. And I'm able to use, you know, what I, what I got now in, in this frame. So uh, seeing some results, which is really cool. It took a little time, but we're starting to see some. Has that, has the adjustments from a mechanical standpoint been the bigger change or has, let's say maybe what you've done physically in the off season paid off more? I think it's a combination of both. I, th I think I still got a, a lot, a long way to go, you know, filling out wise. I think I can put on a solid 20 more pounds and play every day at that, at that size. But I think it's been a nice combination of the mechanical changes and, uh, you know, just getting older, getting stronger. It's been, it's been cool to see. Has the approach changed at all too, Alika? Because sometimes as you, um, get more at-bats and you get a feel for what pitchers are trying to do, you're able to adjust and maybe even uh, sit on certain pitches in certain locations more than let's say you would early in your career. 100%. I think uh, the biggest change, at least from low to high, has been guys are starting to throw their breaking balls more consistently for strikes. So uh, sometimes that almost makes it easier to not you know sit on a pitch like that uh, early in counts or uh, – you know, just, just stuff like that. I think pitchers are getting a little better with staying in the zone, so uh, it makes it easier to pick a pitch and sit on it. I would say with uh, Rosie here in IA, we talked about hunting zones and uh, sitting on pitches in zones, hitting any pitch in that particular zone that you're looking for. So that's been cool. I've never thought of it like that, and it's, it's, been, it's been cool to see work in games. You've had a couple of multi-home run games. Is Have you found kind of that balance between, you know, your your previous, let's say, approach to hitting and, and finding some newfound power? I would say so for sure. Um, just trying to stay who I was before 
and I'm not trying to hit home runs right now. I'm just trying to, you know, stay within myself, be who I have been for so many years. And home runs are just coming kind of on, on its own. You know, I'm not trying to yank the ball out of the park or anything like that. It's just they're just leaving, <laughs> you know. So it, it's been cool to see that uh, come to life for sure. And you always have had a great reputation defensively. In fact, a lot of people I spoke to this spring highlighted you as one of, if not the top defender on the infield in the organization right now at minor league level. How uh, have you improved defensively uh, during the course of this season? I think uh, this year it's been, I don't know, it's, it's definitely been different. I, I think there's been a, a, a bigger, just I've been a lot more focused. I've been able to keep that focus for, you know, the 40 games I've played in now. And uh, all the work I, I did with our infield coordinator, Ochoa, was really starting to pay off. We do a lot of variations with different types of like balls. We, we field small little like wiffle balls. We, we field like foam balls. So all, all of that work is starting to come together. And uh, it just comes down to trusting that work. And it's, it's starting to pay off, you know, just trusting that work that we put in in the offseason and uh, during spring training. It's, it's been cool to see. Now, I know the rules vary depending on the level you're at. What's the, been the biggest adjustment rule-wise for you this year? Oh, yeah, there, there have been some uh, funky rules. I would definitely say the, the shot clock, the, the pitch clock has been kind of tricky to get down, you know, because we all have our own routines, you know, our breathing, our, uh, you know, like taking the straps off our batting gloves. So we've kind of had to abbreviate all of those things. And you're a little rushed getting in the box, I'm not going to lie, but uh, that was probably the biggest adjustments we've, we've had to make. Does it lead to better focus on the defensive end? I think I had asked someone at your level earlier in the year, you know, it, it may make you rushed on the offensive end, but on the defensive end, there's not a whole lot of time between pitches. Well, I, I think 100%. I mean, the games we've been playing have, been, have only been, you know, a maximum of three hours, three and a half hours. So it's definitely sped up pace of play. And on defense, it, it was easy to get kind of, you know, you know, you have a long inning and uh, it, it gets hard to stay you know, focused every pitch. So I definitely do think it, it keeps you on your toes. It keeps the game moving pretty fast, which is nice. I know based on the program that you came from at the collegiate level, winning was important there. How important was it for you to be part of a team that uh, was the Rays affiliate to make the postseason in the first half? Um, it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, Winning's fun, obviously, and when you're around a bunch of guys that truly want to win every day, it makes coming to the field a lot easier. Uh, this group of guys here in Bowling Green, you, you couldn't ask for a better group of guys to be around every day. So uh, truly blessed to be in the system. It's an honor to be in such a winning organization. So it's a lot of fun. Is there a guy in the organization or a guy with that Bowling Green team that maybe isn't getting the attention Prospect-wise, or or based on you know numbers that you think probably deserves more, and if so, who? Man, that's that's a tough question because I could list our whole starting lineup. Um, I mean, obviously you got Ronnie Simon who's tearing it up. I mean, Kyle Menzardo, uh, Tanner Murray swinging a hot stick right now. I mean, I could list the whole <laughs> whole lineup, and our pitchers are shoving too. I mean, you got. Mason Montgomery, who has a thousand strikeouts already, <laughs> and uh, 
there's just so many guys, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun to be around so much talent and uh, I could really list the whole, whole team right now. <laughs> it would take a while though. And I think when we spoke to you in the off season, you had uh, raved about uh, how your mom's cooking was helping. Uh, you can add a little weight during the off season. Is it paid off? And is there anything she sent any care packages during this uh, first half? 100% it's paid off. And she actually taught me one of her dishes that I've been, cooking up a little bit on the road in Bowling Green. Uh, I've been making some Japanese curry uh, over like a bed of rice. And <laughs> it stinks up the house. But I don't know if my roommates appreciate it, but it's uh, it's it's real good. It reminds me of home. Sure. Well, if one of the if, if you're cooking for the guys, they should appreciate it. I mean, I can't imagine <laughs> yeah. many of them are cooking for themselves right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I, I hope the the uh, good run continues. Obviously, you've taken a, a good step forward in Bowling Green this year. Continued success uh, and uh, really uh, good luck in the second half. And, and hopefully we'll be talking with you again soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, Neil. And that is middle, that is middle infield prospect Illegal Williams, who has a pair of multi-homer games so far this season. And after just five homers and a 686 OPS last year, Williams already has seven homers this year, and his OPS has jumped nearly 100 points to 790, with 36 runs batted in in 42 games. Coming up, Willie Adamas on his return to Tropicana Field. Plus, we introduce you to Carla Diaz of Baseball Operations. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. One of the interesting stories this week, the return of several former Rays to Tropicana Field for the first time since going to Milwaukee. Ozzie Timmons, a local product, well-liked, is the team's first base coach. Mike Brasso hit one of the biggest homers in race franchise history, but it was Willie Adamas who had probably the greatest impact of the three. And before a short two-day stay began in St. Petersburg, I chatted with Willie about what it was like to return. It's a little weird, you know, to be honest. It's, you know, uh, different. Didn't even know how to get to the visitor uh, class, but, you know, it feels good to be back, see the boys, you know, the coaches, uh, you know, all the other people here that works in, in the stadium and from office, you know, it's, it's great to see them. But it's, you know, it's just like a weird feeling, you know, good and like, you know, sad and happiness at the same time. But like I say, it's, it's just feel good to be back. When you saw this on the schedule, were you looking forward to it? Of course, I was waiting. I couldn't, you know, couldn't wait to 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 this day, you know, uh, and fi- it's finally here. So, you know, going to make it happen, see what's going on and, you know, uh, it's just great to be back, you know, it's a little, <clears throat> I don't even know how to explain, you know, it's, I'm, I'm thinking I'm a little nervous, you know, to play here again, you know, in front of the old, old crowd and all my, my old crowd, but, you know, it's just, it feels good to be back, it feels happy. What are your best memories? Uh, <laughs> I have a lot of great memories here. I say, <clears throat> you know, when I made my debut, I was winning 95, 96 games, going to the post seasons, uh, going to the World Series, uh, seeing like how how you know the team is getting better through the years, you know, like all those kind of things. Uh, but obviously, just like you know, winning a lot of games and you know being here every day with the guys, it was just I think that was the, what I enjoyed the most. And obviously, uh, I enjoy the city and you know. It's great to to <clears throat> to be back and spend some time. Who are you closest to still? Uh, Manny, you know, I still talk to Manny, Randy, 
Uh, I talk to Cash once in a while, and Eric Neander. We talk, uh, Linares. And, you know, I try to stay in touch with you know with them whenever I can. It's a little difficult because you know people got their own schedule, but I try to whenever I can. I'm bad. I'm 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 a bad texting guy, so you know, they get mad at me sometimes. But I try to stay in touch with them. Being with Brasso and Ozzy, how much has that helped? A lot, you know, seeing those familiar faces. Obviously, uh, seeing Brasso Brasso going there, it was it was cool. But then seeing Ozzy coming to our side, it was special for me because you know I spent a lot of time with Ozzy through the minor leagues and then. Uh, in the big leagues, you know, me and him, we have a really good relationship. So it was amazing to, to have him back with me. And, you know, obviously he's been really help, helpful this year. And, you know, it's, it's just been an amazing season uh, having them with me. How did you adjust so quickly to Milwaukee? Because they say you were a difference maker from day one. <laughs> I don't know, man. I was just being me, you know. I was just, uh, you know, trying to, like, being a good teammate, uh, just enjoying the game, being being myself and just you know not trying to be I'm not trying to be extra uh, just being who I am and just you know bringing my personality every day and I think they love that so you know that makes me feel welcome I know you love this city and this area what have you thought of playing in Milwaukee what's it been like there it's been it's been great you know the fans there are great you know the city uh, they treat you well and you know <clears throat> I've been having a blast there you know uh, obviously you know still getting to know the area but it's been amazing, you know. It's been great. Uh, the time I spent there, uh, it's been such a great journey. But I'm still adjusting, you know, to the city and you know the cold weather. But you know, it's, it's been good though. I can't complain. Do you follow what's going on with this group still at all? Yeah, yeah of course. I, you know, I talk to them and I see, you know, how they're doing. You know, and you know they still have a, a lot of great, great players, a lot of great talented kids, and you know they're a special group. Now I know they can do a special things. Do you remember that day, and how hard was that for you? Because I did not even see you right when you had to leave. Yeah, it was it was a tough day. It was a <clears throat> sad moment. Uh, obviously, the, it was a reminder that this is a business, uh, and <clears throat> obviously, you know, uh, it was a tough a tough day for me. I'm still sometimes I still remember, uh, but <clears throat> you know, you got to you have to adjust to 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 the game. You have to adjust to to the situation that this game put you through. So you know, that's what I try to do. And you know, <clears throat> the guys that that were there when I got traded, you know, they they welcomed me with you know open arms, and you know, I had a really good time with them. Is there a hope someday for a World Series between the two? Of course, I was hoping it happened last year when we were in the playoffs. And that's Willie Adam is certainly one of the more likable players in uh, Rays history. And while it's been a tough week on the field for Tampa Bay lately, hopefully we can get that World Series at home at some point between the Rays and Milwaukee. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now time for our latest Rays baseball operation feature, highlighting the work today of Carla Diaz, a Rays mental performance coach on the minor league side. I accepted my position with the Rays before I even graduated grad school. I was graduating from my master's program in Barry University down in Miami, 
in May, and I remember accepting this position in January, so whole five months before even getting my graduate degree. And, you know, my journey is, it's very long. I guess the simplest version of it was I was always very interested in working in sports. I've always loved sports, and I also always had a big passion for, like, just helping people. Like, I just always wanted to be that person that could make a difference, could help anyone and everyone. And so just meshing those two together as I was in my undergraduate, getting my bachelor's degree, I discovered that there's this thing called sports psychology, which I had never heard of before. Um, I was actually in the middle of getting my athletic training degree at this point because I was like, oh, perfect. I can help athletes this way and help people this way. And then in the middle of that degree, I heard about sports psych. I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. But before, you know, going full blast into it, I was like, let me try to, you know, get hands on. Let me try to reach out to people in the industry, see if this is for me. During this searching, I found a position with the United States Military Academy being a mental performance coach. And I was like, perfect. Let's let's see if, if this is for me. So, you know, I went through the process. I went through the interview. They were actually only hiring master's program students at the time, but I tried anyways, and I did it, and I got the position. I did that for a year with our cadets down at the military academy, and that's what solidified my choice. Like, yep, this is what I want to do. I started to pursue my master's, and that's when I realized, like, the mental game of baseball is like no other. It's truly something special. It's truly a huge opportunity for me to do what I do. So I just became engulfed in the world of baseball and how I can apply my expertise and what I'm studying into the sport. And so one thing led to another. I started looking for jobs and here I am. So a lot of interesting stuff to kind of pull back from there. First, where did the interest in sports begin? You said that was kind of what you wanted to do all along. I was a gymnast and... I always loved gymnastics. I always loved sports. It is very well known that in gymnastics, it is a huge mental game as well. And so that started it. Family always loved sports. It was just just the love, the love for sports, really. And were you a gymnast through high school, through college? When did you kind of start to make the transition to, hey, I want to do something in sports, but I'm not obviously you know, a profession is yes. uh, on, on the, on the field, on the turf, on the mat was not expected. I was a gymnast through high school. I stopped right before high school. I started in Argentina. I was born in Argentina. So in Argentina, I had always, it was either like gymnastics or soccer. Like those were my two options um, in my culture. So I went to gymnastics. Once I moved to the United States, I realized like, whoa, there's so many different things that I could do. So I started playing around with a bunch of different sports and things that I would like. Fortunately, at this point, we all know that gymnastics is very high injury prone. And by the time I was 15, almost 16, I had already undergone four ankle surgeries. So I just had to, you know, leave it behind because of my injuries. Um, That was a whole other mental struggle, mental struggle on its own. And so that's kind of what started it. And the process of working with the military academy had to be really, really unique. How did it help you grow? It was very unique. I remember like my first day there, I got into my office and I looked out the window and I literally see like cadets jumping off helicopters, like outside my window. And I was like, whoa, what's, what's happening? And they're like, look, the person that was with me looked at their watch. They're like, yeah, that makes sense. Like every hour they tend to just practice their parachute skills and their skydiving skills. I'm like, where am I? Like, what is happening? So it was very, very unique. I loved every second of it, but 
I think it just helped me grow in the area that I realized, like, this is the profession I want to pursue. I remember my last day there, a wrestler that I had been working for a whole year came into my office, you know, say his goodbyes. And then he just literally said, like, because of the conversations you and I had, like, I not only became a better athlete, but I also became a better brother, a better son, um, a better significant other. And it really, truly like changed my life. Like, I thank you so much for, for being that person that I could talk to. And the feeling I got in that moment, like, it was like, okay, this is it. This is what I want to pursue. You know, you never really know how much like just a small conversation with someone can change their mental game, change um, their day. And if I can do that for a profession and for a career, like I was all for it. So growing up in Argentina, where is now home for you in the States? And was Florida a place where you wanted to settle all along and it just happened that the race had an opportunity or? Yeah, honestly, like at that point in my career, I was willing to go anywhere, whether it be the Dominican Republic or Arizona or Florida. Like I just wanted to get in um, into baseball home for me. So as soon as we moved to the United States, my parents established us in Miami which is like Latin America 2.0. And so I think that living there is what helped me learn English so quickly because going to school, pretty much everyone was also bilingual. So my peers were helping me along as well. And, you know, if I failed, I could always just go back and start speaking Spanish. And so Miami has always been home. I recently just got married and moved up to West Palm Beach, but it's always really been Florida for me, which worked out perfect. So were you connected with Justin when you got the job with the Rays or how did that all come about and describe what you do for the Rays now in terms of mental performance? So it's actually a really funny story. I saw the posting for the job opportunity on Teamworks. So I applied and just left it there. Like, let's see what happens. And it was like a random, like Friday, Thursday, like some just very random day. I get a a random number calling me on my phone. I remember I had just picked up like some friends from the airport. They were visiting me in Miami. And I was like, you know what? I never answer random numbers. Like, it's just not what I do. But for some reason, I decided to answer this one. And I answer and he was like, hey, is this Carla? And I'm like, yes. He's like, hi, it's Justin Sua for the Tampa Bay Rays. How are you? And I was like, my heart like just like sunk to my stomach in that moment. I don't think I ever told Justin this. And I was like, oh my gosh, like Justin Sue is on the other side of this phone right now. And we just kind of, we literally talked. Like it wasn't even an interview. It was just more, who are you? Where are you from? Like, how are you working in baseball right now? Um, Very just laid back conversation. And that was kind of the catalyst for a series of many, many interviews and now here I am going into my third season with the organization. I am a mental performance coach for our minor league organizations, minor league specifically our Dominican Academy, so our DSL and our low A team, which is up in Charleston, which is where I am right now. And really just helping the mental game, helping our players with their mental game and helping them become the best versions of themselves on the field, helping their performance on the field and so on. How much does your background of having been or having moved here from a foreign country and have to adapt help you relate and be able to have conversations with some of the players who are from Venezuela, Dominican Republic, and so on? And how much do you think that helps you do your job? Uh, You know, Neil, I think that was a huge reason as to why I chose this sport as well, because I know what it's like, like through experience, I know what it's like to 
have to leave your country and chase, you know, come to America to chase a dream. That's what my parents did. That's what my brother and I did when we picked up and came to the States. And I also know what it's like to have to figure out what other people are saying in a different language at such a young age. Like I was only seven years old when I moved to the States. So still even just processing life in general and now life in a different language. And so just like my own experiences and the things that I've gone through and that I still go through helped me really relate, I think, to our our players down in our academy and even really just all our Latin American players baseball-wise. It's definitely not easy. And there's definitely like a mental resiliency that goes with it, but also like just a beautiful space for like learning and adjusting and adapting and getting out there and just trying, trying to speak in a different language, trying to explain yourself and not being afraid to fail almost. That definitely like really, really, really helps me do what I do today. And you obviously love what you do. What's your long-term goal? And and what did the race, what does the race family mean to you in terms of, you know, hopefully uh, reaching that end goal? Very, very early in my career, like that was one of the very first questions Justin asked me, I think on, on that phone call I talked about. And like anyone in baseball, I think my answer was, I just want to get to the big leagues. Like just like any of our players here in the minor leagues, like we all want to get to the big leagues, right? And now like just being a part of this organization, I just realized like there's so much opportunities for impact. There are so much opportunities to go out and make a difference in this world, not just in baseball, just in the world in general, that I think that's just what it is for me right now. I just, I just want to help in any way, like not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to always be on like doing what I do as a mental performance coach, just in general. Like even if I pick up my glove and go shag during early work hitting, but just any way that I can do that, that's what this organization has taught me. That's what the Rays family means to me. Does it matter who you are? Like what your status is with this organization? Like we're all just humble and hardworking and everyone just picks up anything. Wherever there's an area that someone needs help in, someone's going to go and do it regardless of who you are. And that's definitely one of the biggest pieces that stays with me in my heart with this Rays family. And that's Ray's minor league mental performance coach, Carla Diaz. And we thank her for joining us and telling her story. And we thank her and all the guests on our show today, including one Shane Boz, Doug Wechter, Alika Williams, and Willie Adamas. If you ever have something you want to hear on the show, just tweet me at Neil Solons. Next week, Isak Paredes and much more for producer John Dugas. I'm Neil Solons. Stay tuned. The pregame show is next. Ray's and Jays. This is the Ray's Baseball Network. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Breaking ball lifted to the air, way up there, into right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. Gone! And the Rays jump in front, four to one. If you missed any of the show, catch it on archive at RaysBaseball.com slash radio.